Welcome to Broken Law, the podcast about the law, whose interests it serves, and whose it does not. Brought to you by the American Constitution Society, a 501c3 nonpartisan nonprofit organization. I'm Lindsay Langholz, Director of Policy and Program, and your host for this episode about the important role played by secretaries of state in our election systems. This fall, when Americans head to the polls, there will be much focus on who will control Congress or who will be moving into governor's mansions. But for many voters, there will also be races a little further down their ballots that are just as critically important to the preservation of our democracy. This includes secretaries of state. With the Supreme Court's gutting of the Voting Rights Act and conservative state legislatures racing to restrict access to the ballot box and gerrymander their way to entrenched power, Secretaries of State will play a key role in preserving election security and access to the ballot. As we look ahead to this year's midterm elections, ACS has launched a campaign entitled Run, Vote, Work, focused on increasing voter education and engagement on down-ballot races that are instrumental in upholding election security and the rule of law in this country. This includes races for state attorney general, secretary of state, and state judges. Today, we are going to shine the spotlight on secretaries of state, and we are thrilled to be joined by Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. Secretary Benson is Michigan's 43rd and current Secretary of State, first elected in 2018. She is the author of State Secretaries of State, Guardians of the Democratic Process, the first major book on the role of the Secretary of State in enforcing election and campaign finance laws. A graduate of Harvard Law School, an expert on civil rights law, education law, and election law, She served as dean of Wayne State University Law School in Detroit. When she was appointed dean at age 36, she became the youngest woman in U.S. history to lead a top 100 accredited law school. Secretary Benson, welcome to Broken Law. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. Um, I want to start with just the absolute basics. Could you help explain what the role of a secretary of state is? Yeah, the Secretary of State is the chief election officer in nearly every state in the country. And through that, we manage elections, we oversee elections in our respective states, and we have a responsibility for essentially guarding democracy, particularly at times like this, making sure that citizens not only can get their ballots and return them and have assurance that they're counted securely and that the results of the election are accurate, but also serving as the chief educator for voters through the state to make sure they know all that they need to know to be informed and engaged citizens. When you say uh, times like this, I'm hoping maybe we could elaborate a little bit on that. Um, Secretary of States usually garner very little attention, but they're becoming more and more well-known and and kind of getting thrust into the spotlight, which in some ways is good. But I'm curious um, what that's been like for you to be a Secretary of State in this particular moment. Well, I think it's really important that secretaries of state be in the spotlight because of the important role that we play in guarding democracy for everything. I mean, every other issue, every other race on the ballot comes down to whether people have access to their vote and whether they can rely on the results of the election to be an accurate reflection of the will of the people. So this the fact that in most states, voters elect secretaries of state. And the fact that in the past there hasn't been a lot of attention on them really has opened up the doors sometimes for the offices to not be used as robustly as they could to protect democracy. A case in point is in, you know, in the 2000 election where we saw a secretary of state, Catherine Harris, um, not allow a full recount to continue after a presidential election that in many ways impacted the outcome of an entire country's presidential election. And in 2004 in Ohio, a secretary of state, Ken Blackwell, 
didn't put enough voting machines in certain parts of Ohio, leading to long wait times, up to eight hours long in Cleveland and Columbus, that in many ways altered the results of that presidential election or impacted them. So the more voters can pay attention to these important roles, the more they can elect people on either side of the aisle who will protect their voice and their vote and reject those who will use these offices either as political partisan stepping stones or otherwise to further some sort of partisan agenda. Absolutely. I I, um, remember also from 2004, Secretary Blackwell had rules on what type of paper voter registration forms could be on. It had to be on Mm -hmm. certain cardstock or certain, you know, just the right shade of yellow. Um, And that's right. It's little decisions like that that can have such an impact on people's ability to actually cast their ballot. Yes. After the 2004 election, I went around the country and interviewed secretaries of state on both sides of the aisle to really tell the story of all the good things that can be done with this office, all the work you can do to make voting more accessible, more secure, to educate voters about their options to vote and ensure that when the you know election ballots are tabulated, that they're done so efficiently and in a way that everyone can trust the results of the election. So out of that book, which was called Secretaries of State Guardians of the Democratic Process, I was really inspired myself to run. I think there is no other role one can play to protect democracy today other than that one. And uh, although there are, of course, many others, I always often say democracy is a team sport, but really (laughs) one of the key players uh, on the field are the secretaries of state who spend every day uh, in, in the best case scenario working to make democracy work better for all. Absolutely. I would love to talk a little bit about what Michigan has done since you came to office to strengthen election security and also voter access to the ballot box. Well, I was fortunate enough to be elected in in an election cycle where voters also amended our state constitution to create uh, a collection of new rights for for our voters. They included uh, the right to be automatically registered to vote when you get your driver's license or state ID, the right to register to vote up to and on election day itself, and the right to vote from home, and the right to a post-election audit. So my job, they also created a, a independent citizens redistricting commission all through a you know nonpartisan voter mandate, these ballot initiatives. Mm-hmm. So my job as the Secretary of State, once elected, was to implement all of these new laws. And as someone who formerly was a law professor and policy uh, director uh, focusing on these very reforms, I was able to bring in the best and the brightest from all around the country to help advise our clerks and others throughout the state on how to implement all of these new changes. And so under my tenure, we are now a state that has automatic voter registration. We're now a state that allows citizens to register to vote up to and on election day. And and in the 2020 election cycle in particular, we were able to implement uh, a no reason absentee policy, educate citizens about that policy, and triple the number of citizens voting from home in that election, in that presidential election over the they won four years earlier. So we've been able to successfully implement all of these reforms and really ensure that in democracy in Michigan now is one where citizens have a much more direct role and impact in participating and holding their elected officials accountable. You, you mentioned the 2020 election, which obviously hangs over so much of what's being discussed right now in the, in the voting rights space and just people who care about our elections. What do you make of the efforts underway to 
you know, to recruit and pack election offices with proponents of the big lie, which for folks who are not aware of of that terminology, um, is this debunked belief that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. What do you make of people running for these offices purposely to, or at least they are saying, to undo the damage of the of the big lie in their view? Well, I mean, you have really what we're experiencing right now is one of the more pernicious aspects of a national coordinated, multi-year, multifaceted, partisan-driven attack on our election system. You know, democracy prevailed in 2020 because people of integrity on both sides of the aisle did the right thing. And now the 2020 election, though it's behind us, the big lie continues to be fed by conspiracy theorists and and others trying to either gain office uh, or, you know, authority or or celebrity or raise money off of uh, a lie that somehow the results of the 2020 election were anything less than an accurate reflection of the will of the people. And one extension of that lie has been, you know, these fake audits that that have been, you know, uh, in Arizona and other other parts of the country to try to continue to sow seeds of doubt and undermine citizens' confidence in our elections with the goal of potentially causing many to give up altogether and stop voting. Another outgrowth is the many policies uh, that have been enacted in the past 18 months that have undone a lot of the work we did in 2020 across the nation to lead to such a high turnout election. And then finally, as you mentioned, another outgrowth of that, of the big lie is now people running, uh, willing to further partisan agendas over what's best for our democracy, many of whom have explicitly said they would have overturned the completely legitimate results and accurate results of the 2020 election to further their own uh, partisan viewpoint. And, you know, seeking now to have the power to do that in the future, to essentially override election results they disagree with and thereby nullify the vote of, of citizens in their states. In, in my view, you know, this is akin to putting arsonists in charge of the fire department at a time when we need citizens to be firefighters. Fire, putting out a fire in our democracy, the worst thing we could do is elevate people who have set that fire, people who continue to set fires based on lies and misinformation to then have more power and authority to wreak havoc over our election systems and our democracy. I would love to talk a little bit about how folks can can be fighting those fires. Um, mm. You know how listeners or or people who are you know passionate about these issues, but maybe not you know election law lawyers, how can they get involved in in trying to keep our elections secure and and keep our democracy intact? Well, I think it's important to note in this moment where it may feel like uh, the challenges to our democracy are overwhelming, and indeed our democracy is on assault under an assault from various different places, uh, that history is on our side, that the law, the Constitution is on the side of democracy, that the truth, the facts are on our side. And more importantly than all of that even is the fact that the vast majority of American people are on the side of protecting our democracy. And when you look throughout history, the only thing that has kept democracy alive in our country as long as it has been is the will of the American people to keep fighting for it, stay engaged, uh, and you know even standing on a bridge in Selma, Alabama, demanding that every single citizen should have the right to vote, uh, facing down violence and, and other threats. So that work continues and for all of us today. In other words, every citizen has a responsibility and a duty, a patriotic duty to defend democracy if it's going to survive. Now, what does that look like? It means, of course, voting. It means committing yourself to spreading 
true and accurate information. In Michigan, we've set up a, a website through our office where people can get that accurate information so that they could be truth tellers in their neighborhoods, in their communities, and elsewhere. And then also to you know consider serving as election workers. Poll workers are always in need. There is it is it is one of the most important roles you can play in a democracy, making sure on election day that we are staffing the polls when people show up to vote, that we're, we have people willing and, and working to securely count every ballot as it comes in through the mail or in person. And so poll workers are the glue of our democracy and every citizen can consider serving as one. Uh, and uh, in, in Michigan, uh, as, as is elsewhere, these individuals were absolute heroes in our 2020 election cycle. So in Michigan, anyone can who's in, in Michigan can sign up to be a poll worker at our um, Michigan.gov slash democracy MVP website, uh, because we consider our election workers to be the true MVPs of democracy. And in nearly every state of the country, you can uh, look at ways to serve as an election worker. And that's probably one of the most effective, impactful ways you can ensure democracy prevails in this moment. Well, that is music to our ears here at ACS. Um, we will be doing a lot of poll worker recruitment among our membership. So folks, if you do not live in Michigan, can also check our website and, and get involved through acslaw.org. You're listening to Broken Law, brought to you by the American Constitution Society, a 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. ACS is the nation's foremost progressive legal organization with over 250 student and lawyer chapters across the country. Together, we work to advance laws and legal systems that work for everyone and that advance racial equity. You do not need to be a lawyer to be a member. Our laws and legal systems impact all of us. By supporting ACS, you support broken law, our work to diversify the federal bench, our advocacy and support of Supreme Court reform, and so much more. You can learn more about ACS and become a member by visiting our website at acslaw.org slash membership. And now back to the conversation. I'd love to ask what your priority is heading into November. You know, this this election is shaping up to be uh, an intense one, particularly for a, a non-presidential year. What is the priority for your office going into this uh, general election? Let's say we have three priorities um, that really are, are, are priorities in any election year. First and foremost, we want to make sure the election infrastructure in our state is sound and secure, meaning that every citizen is able to get their ballot, return their ballot, and have it counted securely and effectively and efficiently so that they can, and we can all know that the results of the election are an accurate reflection of the will of the people. So that work has already begun. We have, we have several local elections as well as two statewide elections this year. The second piece is educating voters, especially in a time like this where misinformation is abundant, making sure voters are educated on how to get their ballots and return them, what their options are to vote, and, uh, and, and also make sure that they have access to be able to track their ballots and have an affirmation that their ballot's been counted. And beyond that, also educating voters about the real choice that they'll have this fall to defend democracy and really reject the conspiracy theorists who have spread misinformation about the 2020 election and perhaps even hold them accountable at the ballot box. And then finally, the biggest threat to election security today is misinformation, the lies uh, and, um, and, and efforts to deceive voters that have continued unabated and even escalated since 2020. So working to continue to stay in front of that misinformation educating voters that they can be empowered to debunk misinformation themselves uh, as they hear it and report it to us, 
uh, that's going to be just as important as educating voters proactively about uh, our democratic process. And, uh, and, and if we do all the three of those things, I think we'll emerge this year with a, you know, again, a secure, successful election cycle. I want to ask on that point, what do you make of just kind of the the voter suppression efforts that we're seeing both online, you know, these kind of um, mm. organic ones, but also there's there's definitely some money and influence going behind some of this misinformation and also the voter suppression bills that we're seeing. They, to me, they're they're connected. And I'm wondering if you're seeing that as well in Michigan. Yes, I think, you know, what, we, what we're seeing right now, whether it's the misinformation, the spread of the big lie, the election deniers running for office or the efforts to enact legislation making it more difficult to vote is really in many ways a reaction to the astronomically high voter turnout we saw in 2020. I mean, more citizens voted in Michigan in 2020 than ever before. And you see that same in Georgia, in Arizona, and places all throughout the country, Texas and Florida. And so it's, you know, we see, we hear about new laws being passed to curb or respond to voter fraud. But they're really laws that are reacting to the voter turnout that we saw in such high and successful numbers in 2020. And you can tell that because when you just look at the data of what these new laws are supposed to do, the data overwhelmingly shows that they're going to make it more difficult for people to get their ballots, more confusing to identify themselves uh, when when they get their ballots or return them more difficult to count ballots uh, once in, more difficult to certify elections. So it's all about really, uh, you know, collectively making the process more confusing, more difficult, uh, and, you know, right on the heels of, you know, I think this is one of the real tragedies, it's right on the heels of an election where we actually got everything right. Our election was secure, (laughs) the turnout was high, people knew how to get their ballots, even in the midst of a pandemic. And instead of saying, how do we replicate that success. We're yeah. fighting lies and fighting efforts to make it harder for us to repeat it again. I, I want to ask one last question um, for folks who are listening to this and thinking, this sounds like the type of work I want to be involved in. Like, this is the fight mm. for me, but maybe don't want to run for office themselves. Could you talk a little bit about the work that your staff does, what it's like to work in, in your office? Yes. I mean, look, right now we need people of integrity in public service more than ever people who are willing and committed to truth to their country over any partisan agenda. And in particular, for us to really band together and support democracy, it's a critical time to get involved. And of course, that could be running for office, but it also means working to support those who are who are serving in office right now on either sides of the aisle. Because when you look at why there was such a successful effort in our office and elsewhere throughout the uh, election cycle, it's because of the staff, the people who work behind the scenes uh, to execute the plan to get things done. And uh, that could, that's true at the local level of local election officials. And that's true, certainly, in any state office, any attorney general's office, any secretary of state's or governor's office. So uh, one of the biggest challenges we have is oftentimes finding talent, finding talented, smart people to fill vacancies in ours and other offices. So I really would encourage people to, at a time like this, step up and serve, perhaps not as an elected official, um, but as staff supporting one. Uh, it's a very direct way you can have a significant impact at making things better in times like these. Secretary Benson, thank you so Great. much for joining this week. Um, we really appreciate this conversation and gives us a lot to think about and to, to act on in the future. So thank you so much. And my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, 
appreciate all the work you do to ensure that attorneys everywhere are equipped to serve as advocates for democracy and for justice. We will include a few helpful links in the show notes, including to Secretary Benson's book and ACS's Run, Vote, Work campaign. Thanks to our listeners for finding Broken Law. Make sure to follow and subscribe to Broken Law so you don't miss our upcoming episodes on state attorney generals and state court judges. If you're enjoying this podcast, please recommend it to a friend. Recommendations and reviews really help us bring these important conversations to more listeners. You can find details and show notes about today's episode on our website, acslaw.org. And if you have ideas for a future episode, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at acslaw.org or find us on social media at acslaw. Together, we will speak truth to power about the law, whose interests it really serves, and whose it does not.